It's the Bougie Podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cimarron Golf Club. What is going on, Pooch Crew? Thank you for being here for episode 86 of the Poogee Podcast. Extremely excited about this episode. Not only is it a beautiful Monday morning following an electric three days of NFL football draft talk and and awesomeness here in Jacksonville and all over the league, actually. Some great picks being made all over the place. I know my guest lined up today, been on the podcast previously, excited to be here again to talk about some guys he's familiar with. Based on his profession, you can see it behind me, the ULM logo back there. We have Xavier Brewer back on the Puji podcast. He was on a few months ago uh, when he was still with Clemson. Xavier, thanks for being here. What's going on? Appreciate you having me. Of course, man. So I just kind of started off with this. I listened to your episode from last time uh, a few weeks ago. And the very last thing you said, I asked you what the next steps were for Xavier Brewer. And you said, you know, I feel like I'm ready to be a position coach. I feel like I'm ready to take that next step. And look at you now, a few months later, you talked it into existence. You're now a position coach at ULM under head coach Terry Bowden. That's got to be pretty cool for you, man. No doubt. Dream come true. Something I knew I always wanted to do after I was done playing ball was uh, coach at a high level. And um, when it comes to D1 football right now, where I'm at is probably one of the lowest levels, but it's the next step in the right direction. And I'm thankful mm-hmm. for my past experience of seeing, being able to see what it's supposed to look like and better bring that here to ULM to uh, take this program to another level. Yeah, man, I, I love it. Now, obviously, it gives me a reason to watch uh, more teams in football. You just mentioned before we started recording, you kind of become, you know, uh, attached to teams just based on who you know. I like to follow teams based on people that I know just to follow the success. And one thing we always hear about within the coaching world is the coaching tree. And here, you know, you're, you're, what are you in your, your 30s right now, early 30s, 31. 31. So your coaching tree right now is already fabulous. You have, Dabo Sweeney and, and and Terry Bowden, and you're already off to a hot start. So uh, that's two great guys to learn under. No doubt. I'm, I'm very thankful, very blessed, and uh, just trying to make the most of these opportunities and then hopefully have them one day. So I, I have to ask you, going from Clemson, obviously this, this uh, blue blood, blue chip program to ULM, what are like some of the glaring differences just as far as maybe the processes go? Or what what did you have to adjust to? Uh, maybe throughout the process going from Clemson to ULM? Um, I would say, well, the biggest thing is from going from being a graduate coach to being a fishing coach. So now, like, instead of assisting, like, I'm the I'm running my own room now. So I'm running the meetings. You know, I did some of that at Clemson. No worries with the level I'm doing it now. Run my own meetings. I have to keep track of the guys, their, uh, their grades, and make sure they're taking their schoolwork. You know, I got to get to know them even at a deeper level as well, get to know their families. Um, I got to recruit. So obviously I recruited something at Clemson, but it's a whole nother level now. It's my position group. So I get to pick and choose what I want instead of suggesting you know, if I want, you know. So a lot more responsibility, I would say, is the biggest thing right now for me to take that job from a graduate assistant to a position coach. Um, as far as background of high-level football, like you said, blue chip, that's blue chip level coaching. Um is up there. We can compete with anybody. You know, the staff uh, Coach Bounce put together, Rich Rodriguez as our offensive coordinator, and then Zach Alley, you know, a young gun. He's 27, 28 years old, and he's our defensive coordinator, but he had an extensive time with uh, 
Coach Venables over at Clemson. In the last two years, he's been at Boise State as a position coach, and he's more than ready to be a high-level defensive coordinator. And uh, we're recruiting at a good level. We actually just got a commitment from a, a Wake Forest transfer today, uh, one of the leading tacklers from the last couple of years. So um, I got a kid coming from Missouri that's been uh, the average 500 snaps in the SEC the last years. And uh, thankfully, just God worked it out where his brothers was in the portal coming from Purdue as a receiver. So we landed yeah. both those guys. So um, a lot of big things coming, a lot of good players coming. But the biggest thing, we had to change the culture and the mindset here. and We've been able to do that so far. That's awesome. And obviously, it starts at the top with, with good leadership. And that stems into the, the positional coaches as well uh, and even further beyond that. So that's awesome to hear. And you talk about recruiting. What? I guess what's the the difference in recruiting going from, you know, Clemson, you're going after these massive names, these massive guys that are known world nationwide, pretty much in the football world. And you're at ULM. Is there a conscious, you know, this is who we're going after that you're going to start day one. When you step on the football field, we want you to be a part of this culture change. Is there, have you known, uh, have you seen that uh, actually take place in your own, I guess, recruiting pitch or when you're talking to players, just that shift, uh, going oh, from definitely. one to the next? Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. But in the day, like, you're looking for good football players that you think can help your team and where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, those – you got to – what we got to find is those diamonds in the rough. You know, there's so many guys that don't go to Clemson that are good enough to go to Clemson. They don't even get recruited by Clemson. They just mm-hmm. don't get found. So, it's on us as a program to do what we got to do to go find those diamonds in the rough. You know, shoot, Khalil Mack, where'd he end up at? Buffalo? Yeah, Buffalo. You know? So it's our job. I know. With that being said, that's that's long term thinking. But as a, when it comes to like as far as the skill level of the player, um, it's just a different kind of mindset. Like we're not going to get the obviously the five star who has all the offers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We got to find that guy who probably is close to that, or you know he has maybe has a trait where he's too short as like a linebacker. You know, in the bigger schools they don't want him, but he has every other thing you're looking for. Yeah, you know, or you got a corner who's um, maybe not quite as fast, but he has excellent ball skills. He's got excellent, you know, what we call redeemable traits, you know, from that standpoint. But um, that's, like I said, long-term thing. But for right now, the big difference, um, we're actually recruiting the transfer portal. Never had to go transfer because obviously they developed their guys and they recruited well um, and picked out, the, evaluated well. And then also we're going JUCO. You know, at Clemson, that's just one of Coach Sweeney's rules. He doesn't go junior college. And, you know, so from an immediate standpoint, we need guys in this 2021 class that are going to help, this, help us this season. And we put together a good group. Um, and so I would say those are the two biggest things because recruiting high school kids, one thing, but recruiting a kid who's basically he's an adult. You know, he's been mm-hmm. in college for three, four years, and you're not recruiting. You're not giving him the same pitch. You know, you're, you're letting him. If guy's coming for one year, hey, man. I want you to come here, do your thing for one year. And guess what? You can take it to the next level. Yeah. And I mean, it's great. You say that that's exactly how you build a program. You bring in the right type of guys that fit the culture. And it's, it's almost like building a business. You know, you start baby steps, you start building block by block. You, you meet needs here at different positions and and you just kind of put things together the right way. And uh, I got to say this, man, as a UCF fan myself, I know how much a culture change can change everything because we going 0 and 12, you know, six years ago, that's something I'll never forget, no matter yeah. how good the program ever becomes. You almost <laughs> have to experience those lows to experience oh, that yeah. culture change, you know, and oh, you yeah. get the right guys in, you get the right pieces in, the right coaches in, 
and it just changes everything. The fan base at ULM has to be excited about this. Uh, I know, I know a few other Clemson coaches have gone to ULM as well, including yourself. And uh, here in Jacksonville, even now, they're kind of claiming us as Clemson of the South with uh, yeah, the yeah, most Clemson recent Jaguar. news. Most recent news of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, both first round picks by the Jaguars, coming to Jacksonville. How do you feel about that? They're the reason I'm rocking my own sleeve. I think he's my sleeve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're the, the reason company. I'm rocking my Houston orange right now. And because uh, I, I, I got a big smile on face, I'm just excited for both those guys, man. Um, I, I coached against Trevor when he was in high school, and I was actually at Bartram Trail. Our first game of the season just happened to be we're traveling to LA to play Trevor Lawrence. Wow. And, you know, and, and it, was, it was a great showdown, but being able to see his development and his maturity, even after the game, just how humble he was, and just obviously letting him know I'm a Clemson grad and looking for his next three or four years. And he was just so receptive, looking me in the eye, and, you know, just see his development as a young man, you know, He's inspired so many people in a positive way. You know, what he did last year with saving college football, I know he's been credited for that. Him and a few other guys on the team. But obviously, he, him putting his face out there, that, that meant a lot to a lot of people, you know. And just he's so much more than just an excellent football player, man. He's going to change that community in Jacksonville. He's going to bring so much. You know, he looks like sunshine. I remember the Titans, but I'm telling you, his – it's going to break that doom and gloom that's been over the city for so long when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I feel like it's going to be uh, way brighter than I know a lot of people are excited and they should be. Yeah, I think as a Jaguar fan, every offseason, you know, whatever, January rolls around, we're not even in the playoffs. It's, you know, we're looking ahead to the free agency and the draft. And we always come away saying, oh, we won the offseason. We won the offseason. And it's like, okay, did we really win the offseason? We still only won four games the next year. This year, it feels like we won the offseason. You know, we have a new head coach in Urban Meyer, who I'm sure you've, you know, met a few times. And now we have a new franchise-worthy quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Like, this is the ultimate shift that any football town wants. A new proven head coach and a new proven quarterback that's had success at every level now in your time I guess maybe being around Urban Meyer being at Clemson or even just kind of some of the words maybe with Dabo Sweeney from his connections with him what does Urban Meyer bring to the table uh to Jacksonville just as far as his coaching ability I mean legend you know living legend you know up there with the Sabans up there with all would name a great one he's right at that same level when it comes to getting a team prepared to play a season, to play a game from a motivational standpoint, from a standpoint, from a organizational standpoint, he does it all. Like I read a couple of his books and he's just, he's a legend. That's all really you can say about Urban Meyer. And the fact that, you know, him to that job was knowing that he had a chance to time Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just putting those two together, just a scary sight of what the future has, you know, barring obviously just being healthy. It's, it's an exciting time to be a Jacksonville Jaguar for sure because Urban is, like you said, a living legend. And as far as what Trevor has done, you know, it's, the sky isn't even the limit for him of what he can do at that level. You know, yeah. like you said, he's won at every level and he's dominated. And it hasn't just like, you know, played well, but he's like every time he starts on the field, you know, he's one of the better players on the field every single time. And I don't think it's going to be different in Jacksonville. Obviously, NFL is going to be an adjustment adjustment point. But I just feel with his mindset, that learning curve is going to be just shortened so much. And all every experience, every snap he takes, the guy is going to get better. He's going to get smarter. And then you just see that with his, you know, his growth. If you um, you never watch him his senior year high school, 
going back and doing research on just who he was, his mindset or who he wanted to be like as an eighth grader, seventh grader, his mind was made up that he wanted to be one of the greatest of all time. You know, he doesn't say mm-hmm. it as much now, but he wanted to be better than Peyton. You know, that's really yeah. his mindset and that's what drives him. You know, a lot of people uh, did a lot of the, the talk about, you know, him saying he's um, not motivated or some something crazy that just didn't make any sense. The, yeah, I think what, what, what was said was, and obviously within the media and journalism, it all gets yeah, chopped up for the, the narrative. But I think what he said was something along the lines of, I'm happy of who I am regardless of what I do on the football field. Right. And people took that as him saying he doesn't need football in his life. This is what people don't understand, like how freeing that thought process has to be. You play a football and the number one high school player, you are the number one pick in the draft, and you don't let this game define you. Like, you're okay. You're fine. Because you're so confident in who yourself, and then obviously your faith, his faith, um, that is a freeing thing, and that is a scary thing um, in the NFL. Because I think he's about to take it by home. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's exciting. You said it's exciting times to be a Jaguar fan. Two massive upgrades at two of the most important positions, or two of the most important factors within a team: the coach and the quarterback. But I have to ask you about that twenty-fifth oh, yeah. pick. With Travis Etienne, so he comes in, and you're, you know, the grad assistant on the defensive side of the ball. So you're in practice with your guys trying to contain Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Now they're paired up again in Jacksonville. What what do you have to say about Travis Etienne and maybe what he brings to the table? I'm biased, obviously, but Travis Etienne was the best running back in that draft, and he's the most explosive football player in the draft. Point blank, period. That I probably. The most explosive, like most before this, was probably Sammy Watkins. When I, when I talk about just explosion, his year, what he did as a mm-hmm. freshman. But the thing about Travis, he did it for four years straight, where he just absolutely dominated. And when he broke through, he's not getting caught at all. You know, the Jaguars since probably Freddie T, and Freddie T was fast, but he, I don't think he's on Travis's level when it comes to just straight line. Well, I love hearing and, that. You know, Forget a time. I'm talking about when you get on that field and you see somebody running, you're like, oh, he's gone. Yeah. Like, there's very few people that I've ever seen in, in person that are like Travis. Well, I got to tell you, like, the, the pick happened and the emotions in Jacksonville were obviously, oh, that's really cool. We got his teammate from Clemson. That's great. But we don't need a running back. We don't need a we backup need a running back from the 20th pick. Yeah. And, and I put so I put a video out on Saturday before round or on Friday before round two started, and I kind of justified the Travis Etienne pick. I was a big fan of the pick because for the longest time in Jacksonville, we haven't had playmakers, and we got extremely lucky finding James Robinson as an undrafted free agent last right. year. But that doesn't happen all the time, and there's a reason Etienne was the best running back in the draft, and James Robinson went undrafted. Last thing I want is to not address the running back need. And then James Robinson maybe fall off a little bit. And then we're sitting on our hands trying to figure out the running back situation with Trevor Lawrence. This no situation, now we bring Travis Etienne in. Trevor Lawrence is there. He's comfortable. Got a, the former teammate with him from Clemson. Now he's got an embarrassment of riches. Also, I think it helps Urban Meyer maybe game plan on the offensive side of the ball, just having additional weapons. I thought it was funny, actually. I started thinking of this. We went Clemson, Clemson, Georgia, Stanford. 
all five-star guys coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like uh, Urban Meyer was uh, avenging some losses on the recruiting trail in the draft, <laughs> just drafting players that he he didn't get to commit to Ohio State. That's what it felt Absolutely. like. That, that, that could be true. But then again, I mean, Travis Etienne, he wasn't a five-star coming out of high school. He's a three-star. Oh, he was you a three-star? Yeah, you would think he was a five-star what he did in uh, college. And that's the, that's the yeah. funny thing about that is – you know, he's a three-star, and then he proves it on the field in college, and it's like people look back and say, how was he not a five-star? And it's because he didn't have the proper measurables or the proper this. And you talked about redeemable skills and all that stuff. It's like some guys just have it. Like some guys yeah. just have it, and there's no way to, to quantify it or, or to, yeah. to put stats with it. And he played he just a wing T system in high school, so that probably didn't help his, his uh, status. Say but that again? What it, what it, he played what the wing T in high school. Okay, so it wasn't, wasn't as much wow. opportunity for him? Right. Well, no, he had opportunity because obviously they ran the ball a lot, but just obviously the system when it comes to your the steps you take, you know, coming from being a three point stance in the field compared to you know two point stance and you're on lateral, you know. Okay. But um, obviously Coach Elliott's an amazing recruiter, and obviously he saw the traits that he needed to see to know he was special. Um, not to say LSU definitely saw his traits too. Now they were right down the street, but they only had one spot, and they took Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, so, I mean, you can't be too mad at them either. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's but, only uh, so much. There's only only so many spots on the roster for these right. guys. Um, yeah, but no, it's late on them. We got them in January. Um, in the process and uh, because another guy had, uh, I think he got arrested. or Something happened with his grades or something. It was grades where he couldn't get into the school, and they got him late in January. Like, oh yeah, well, he's the dude. And so it's just crazy how it all just comes full circle. Just the Clemson guy this whole time, just seeing all their evolution and all their development to see where they're at now. Because my first thoughts of Travis, when you say Travis Etienne, every single time it goes back to the first time I heard his name was I wasn't even at Clemson at the time, his freshman year. And all I would, you know, I would talk to people that were in the program, uh, Coach Wendy's interviews, and all they talked about uh, fall camp, uh, Travis Etienne, 80, 75 yard runs on the first team defense. And that first team defense in 2017 was pretty salty. They ended up with about like five first rounders on it. And he's yeah. he's running through them like it's nothing. And you know, and obviously it's one of his first, maybe his second carry against Louisville his freshman year, five yards. You know, so to be able to actually see it, you know, and then see him do it every year. And then all in the passing game as a receiver. Because that was a huge knock on him after his junior season, um, about that he's receiving. And when he did this last year, I, don't, I mean, if you go back and watch the tape, the dude is on up outside and he's running by people. He's catching the ball at the highest point. You know, he's snagging out of the backfield, going down the sideline, doing, making people miss in space. So there's just so much with him. He's so like I, I don't know if I have a player uh, com comparison for him because he's just just some of the things he does on the field almost doesn't make sense. Yeah, he's running straight. As high as most people run, but his legs are so strong. He is so hard to bring down when he's ahead of steam. And it's going to happen in the NFL. There's no doubt it's going to happen in the NFL because he did it against, you know, Alabama. He did it against the biggest programs in the country, you know. So well, you're, fire, you're, you're firing me up for it. I mean, hopefully yeah. all these Jaguar fans watch this and they, they get fired up too because explosiveness is what we need on the offensive side of the ball, especially with the way that the NFL is trending with offense and yes. points and you need to score points and, you know, people said we should have gotten a safety or a defensive lineman. And it's like, all right, we were one in 15. We need a lot of things like yeah. the defensive lineman at number 25 isn't going to take us from one win to eight. Like I maybe uh, he could, but I don't know. Again, like him will, though. 
<laughs> Trust me. Say that again. A game changer like a Travis Etienne. Yeah, that's that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's just a more fun pick. Like as a fan, like I don't want to sit here and say, oh, it's the you know, it's just the luxury pick. That's not the case. Like every good team these days has two running backs. So it's like, why not yeah. go out? And you're not gonna. All right, you mentioned uh, Etienne, the best running back in the draft. Obviously, Najee Harris went just before him at 24. Yeah. Luckily, the Jaguars didn't take Najee Harris because he's the same thing as James Robinson, in my opinion. Exactly. E- ETN is just more explosive, more versatile. I think I'm very excited for him on the offensive side of the ball. I, I want to ask you uh, about Justin Fields real quick, just from your thoughts. Obviously, another quarterback from a great program at Ohio State. He went up against Trevor Lawrence uh, in the Fiesta Bowl this last year. Justin Fields slides down to 11. But there was a point in the college football season where people were talking about him being the number two pick. I guess two questions. What what do you see in Justin Fields uh, from what you saw on the field against Clemson? And then also, why is it that all these uh, players tend to, to move around during the draft process from January to April, where he falls, you know, 10 spots further than he was expecting? First off, Justin Fields, from a talent standpoint, as just following the recruiting process and, you know, Seeing him, his development comes to just pure talent, throwing the football, running, uh, making all the. Throws. I'm talking about all the the five levels of throws to make. He's the most talented guy in the draft, and it's not even a comparison. You know, he's above everyone. You know, you go back and look at the lead eleven. I know, obviously, they all had three more years to develop, but go back to the lead eleven. He's smoked everybody. You know, Trevor was there. He was. He was with him, but at the end of the day, like, Justin won the competition, hands down, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to all that. Um, just my honest uh, observation and, you know, what some some things that I've heard coming out of that program, um, Justin Fields was handicapped in some ways as far as how much he was able to control the offense, you know. And um, what they do up there, um, certain coaches, they, they make, you know, they make the play calls, they make the checks. I mean, you go back and watch Justin's tape, he's looking to the sideline, and they're telling him what the checks are. You go watch Trevor play, Trevor, he's making all the adjustments off of what he sees off the defense. Okay. And obviously what happens in the NFL, what are you going to do? You're not looking to the sideline. Hey, Coach, what should I do? Obviously they got the hits in two, but at the same time, they want to see how fast you can process what's going on because there's just – a billion different things going on. These dudes do calculus before snapping the ball. A lot of people don't realize it. What talks about where the safety lined up. How's the tackle lined up compared to his D tackle? What gap is he going to do? And, you know, and then they're – so all the different things that go into it. Um, not to say that Justin isn't going to be able to do it. I would just say that's such a big deal in the NFL that if he hasn't hadn't done it, it, it would be a bigger leap for him to process it right away. You know, for him to – deserve a number one and that's one thing he just hadn't done so not to say that he's he's a number 11 overall pick for a reason you know so but Mm -hmm. i think it's just it's going to take a little more time for him to develop into that guy but i think he landed wait hey you cut you cut out there at the very end exactly i said i think he landed in a great spot in chicago oh okay gotcha Hey, not a lot of people would say that about Chicago based on their quarterback situation the last few years, just with that is true. so much turnover. But I, I, I mean, honestly, I think it's a, a good spot too. I, they got Porcelain's around. 
Yeah, exactly. He's got pieces around him. Hey, hopefully, Allen. This will be the best quarterback Allen Robinson's had in his whole career. So uh, it'll be fun for a Rob to to actually finally get some targets if they can yeah. figure out his contract uh, situation there. But um, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So uh, just last question for you, as far as the draft process goes. Obviously, we've talked about Trevor Lawrence. We've talked about Travis Etienne, and. What are what are what is the feeling maybe leading up into the draft as a player, even if you know you're going to be the number one pick, or a player if you don't know if you're going to get drafted? What are the emotions like? You know, is there like uh, stages that you go through or anything like that? Um, you know, just for some people that watch the draft and maybe don't understand what these players are going through emotionally behind the scenes. Yeah, I told my girlfriend the other day she noticed I was cranky, and uh, I had to and I had to think about why was I cranky, and I was like, oh. Draft time. <laughs> this time of year, every year still gets me. Because uh, I wasn't one of those guys that was going to get drafted high. I knew I had a chance to get drafted late or at all. So, you know, that for that first round for me, I can only speak on myself. Um, and so, and I always empathize with the guys that go through now. Um, so I knew I wasn't going the first day. I knew I was going the second day. You know, I was hopeful. But, you know, you just never know who's going to take a chance on you because it happens sometimes. Uh, but I wasn't, like, crushed by it. But that last couple calls late, hey, we're going to take you. It was like, why the hell are you calling me if you're not telling me? And, you know, one of the calls was 303 number, Duber. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm trying to sit seven around. And it uh, wasn't the case. So uh, it was it was frustrating. Uh, it was, uh, I would say, not the experience I thought it was going to be growing up. And uh, just – at, at, at times, it's like, you know, you were just when something that you wanted for so long, it just put a lot of things in perspective. And there's two ways you could take it is either you can let it, you know, harden you or you let it shape you and drive you to want to just become the best version of you that you can be. And thankfully, I took that route because, you know, a lot of guys do some, go through some serious depression. Not to say I didn't go through some levels of it, but some guys go through them even way worse than whatever I even thought I could experience, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know you you plan for that that day and you know and it doesn't happen the way you want but a cool thing that I don't think a lot of people do realize is that if you go on draft sometimes it's better because you choose what spot you go to I had like seven or eight different people me and uh, after the draft you know, I think some people do that and I realize that the sixth seven round they do that just so they can hey let you know we, we really want you so now choose us when you go undrafted. Oh, gotcha. So it's a little bit of a little bit of a game from them yes. giving you a call. That way, yes. when undrafted comes up, it's it's your turn to pick right. them. Oh yeah, you guys kind of want me, but then at the same time, I realize it's kind of like, hey, picking. Nah, you make, know, makes sense, man. Yeah, so it was it, it was cool. It really cool turns into college recruiting again, and then um, so that that's just. It's it's everyone goes through different uh, emotions as they go through it, but you know it's life and uh, it's experience. I never want to take that. I hear you. Well, no, I'm I'm glad you took the route you did. Like you mentioned, the two paths, and you've obviously done great things since that time of of the NFL draft in in your class, and you know going to the Cowboys, then back to Jacksonville with the Sharks, having some fun in the AFL, and yeah. you know obviously now within the coaching world of football, which. Uh, you're in there young, you're in there early, and you, you've got a great base so far. So I'm sure the uh, future is is uh, bright for you within the coaching world. I'm excited to follow it. I'm excited to watch it. And I'm excited to watch some ULM football this year. You know, got to give the group of five some love. 
finally, uh, you know, obviously being a UCF fan, I love supporting these teams and uh, bringing some love their way. So again, Xavier, thanks for being here. Thanks for doing this. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for you, man. Appreciate it, brother.